joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the Father. How many knows that Jesus had a purpose? How many knows that Jesus had a destiny? How many knows that Jesus completed his destiny? How many knows he completed his purpose? How many knows he's not done yet? There's still some more stuff he's got to do. But for Jesus to do what he's got to do, we've got to do what we're supposed to do. In order for him to come back for a church, we've got to raise up a church. In order for him to come back for a bride, we've got to prepare a bride. And there are things going on in our life that are so controversial and so demanding and so frustrating and so irritating, it's tough to really focus on the things of God because of everything else that's going on around about us. I met a couple this week having some challenges, and I said, hey, we're at a place right now in life where you cannot survive on just one income. We've come to a place where not just the wife and the husband have to work, but if your dog can do special tricks, we sub him out on the weekends. I mean, this is a very, this very frustrating season, and one of, the, one of the guys in the church gave me a documentation of things that are happening right now in our nation. And I'm telling you guys, I don't want to make this any worse than it is, and I am not a Republican or a Democrat. I'm a Christian, so I vote for the, for the leader that walks in Christian moral values. We are in trouble. We are, we are in trouble. The purpose and the plan of the enemy is to bankrupt our nation for there to be an alliance with 10 major world governments for the one world currency to be established, be placed in this, the system. And when that happens, to, to, to make sure that it's a one world currency, we will require to wear some kind of mark, some kind of code, something upon our body that will let society know that we are part of the one world system. The Bible says that's the mark of the Antichrist. And we know that all those things are being set up even now as we're sitting here enjoying the Sunday morning worship. There are things going on in the, the Illuminati, the Grand Marshal. There are things taking place that are trying to destroy our nation. But I believe the fact that we still believe in God, we are still a Christian nation. I don't care what Mr. Obama says. We are a Christian nation. We still pledge our trust and our hope in God. And the, the worse it gets, the more we have a tendency to turn towards God. Did you notice that? I shared a word concerning America the Addicted, and I taught, I taught moms and dads and grandparents how to pray a hedge of thorns around their kids that something would turn them back towards God. Maybe a rest, maybe a sickness, maybe a car wreck, maybe, but, but something, and, and, and sometimes drastic times to, to need drastic measures. And as I shared this, this word on DVD, I gave it to a family that really needed a break. A break. They, they just needed a break. They need God to divinely intervene. And as they watched this DVD, the wife prayed the hedge of thorns around herself. That, God, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I want you to do whatever it takes to get me back to a place where I'm supposed to be. Be careful praying prayers like that because God is the God of the extreme. He, he will extremely do things in your life that you won't say, it wasn't mama, it wasn't papa, it wasn't the pastor. It was a God thing. And that God thing turned that family around and that hedge of thorns. So we, we are in a generation that everybody's talking about heaven. Did you notice that? But not everybody's going there. And the Bible says many are going to be in for a shock when they hear him say, depart from me. We never had any intimacy. To be a part of the family of God is to follow the plan of God, do what God has called you to do, and know that there's a battle raging. The Bible says that bad things happen to good people. The Bible says that in this world you shall have tribulation. The Bible says that the enemy tries to lift up a standard against the things of God, but when the enemy comes in like a flood, God said, I will lift up my standard of protection, and I'll lift up my standard of provision. 
and we are in a we are in a generation right now that our generation needs a breakthrough word. Ken was talking about 46,000 singles. That's probably the generation that will see the second coming of Christ. There's a hunger, there's a thirst, there's a thrust for the things of God. And I, this is my personal opinion, I believe it will be miracles. I believe it will be blind eyes open, deaf ears unstopped, lame walking, cancers falling off, good reports. I believe that's what's going to touch this society because certainly drugs and alcohol is not going to. We have maxed out. We've got, we've got as high as we can possibly get. We put the weirdest thing. We can't put anything weirder than bleach in our body. That's a new fad now to, to, to shoot bleach in your body. That we can't. There's nothing that we can do to get any higher. We plateaued off, and now we are looking for the real deal. There are people that are looking for the real deal. And my thought or theme today was based upon a phone call that I received from a precious man of God, knowing personally, have been in his life pretty much most of his life, 20 years, loves God, was a church elder, Sunday school teacher, a great dad, a great husband, a great man. And his wife a couple of days ago called me and said, I told my husband, if he didn't call you, I was going to call you and let you know what's going on and give you his number. And I called him. I said, what's going on? He said, I feel like God's a million miles away. I feel like that no matter how I pray, how I fast, I, I'm not hearing from God. It's not happening at church. I resigned as elder. I resigned my class. I'm, I'm still a good dad. I still love my wife. I'm still, you know, I'm, I still love God. I'm just frustrated. And I told him that I would start, I would start praying for him and that I would, I would ask God for some kind of direction. And day before yesterday, God gave me some direction. And that direction is simply uh, the, the thought of the theme comes from a, a, a CD I was listening to about a guy, and most of you know that I am fascinated by Mount Everest. I'm, I'm fascinated by the tallest mountain in the world that sits on the country of Nepal and Tibet. Mount Everest is 29,070 feet. It has been climbed about 5,000 times by 3,000 different climbers. 219 people have lost their life. 150 people are still on the mountain. They've, they froze to death, covered with ice, and they've never been brought down. But the reason that Mount Everest was climbed, the north face was climbed because someone came up the back way and lowered themselves from the mountain driving pythons into the rock so that people from below could go to the top because someone from the top came to, came to the bottom. And I wish I had time to talk about Christ leaving the splendor of heaven. He became the word. He became the light. He became flesh. He became a servant. He became a son. He became a friend. He became a lamb. He became a sinner. He came all the way to the gutter of where we were so that J.E., we could climb those steps. Every time he drove a nail into a rock, we can declare that we are a lamb. We are a servant. We are a friend. We are a son. And we can become light and word. That's where we're headed. That's the place that we're going to. But as this famous mountain climber was giving a class of several hundred students simply how to survive the mountain, at, at elevation of 28,000 feet, the, the temperature falls 30 below, the winds are 28 miles an hour, and we're at sea level, your body absorbs 100% of oxygen. At 28,000 feet, your body only absorbs 20% oxygen, which means instead of breathing 18 to 20 times per minute, you take 80 to 90 breaths per minute. Your heart is overworked. Your body is completely trashed. The, the elements are against you. You were, And I'll get later into the, the, the clothing and how to survive the mountain. But this mountain climber was, 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 was sharing all the tricks about the the, cramp, the crampons, crampons are, are metal that you tie at the bottom of your feet. They have spikes that allow you to climb through the ice. And Pastor Ronald talked about 
the, the, the peace, the gospel of peace that we have on our feet. The Roman soldiers had those same things on their, on their feet as instruments of war. It's, it's kind of amazing some of the comparisons that line up with Mount Everest and life. But as this great instructor was sharing how to use the tools and how to use the belt, how to use a tie-off rope, and how to drive right in a solid rock, solid ice, and drive a nail and expect it to stay there and have the whole team depend upon that one nail, five people tied to one anchor point, and if one fall, if one fail, they'd yank all four of them loose, but they would still hold on to that one place. People are watching your life. I don't want to preach yet. I will do some, some, some homework, but people are watching your life. And the fact that you don't throw in the towel when you should, the fact that you don't give up and quit, the fact that you have every right to hit the bottle one more time, you have every right to go and, 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 and just get mad and just, and just get angry, but you don't. People are watching that. And they're holding on to what you're holding on. And if you don't let go, if you don't turn loose, they're not going to let go. They're not going to turn loose. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. People are following you as you follow Christ. doesn't mean we're not going to make mistakes or failures. We are. Bad things are going to happen. But when you fall, you fall the last place that you were tied up. You don't fall all the way to the bottom. Hello. Am I praising my side? You fall that last place where you tied in, and you go back to that place. You go back to that special place, that secret place that Job talked about. He's not on my left, not my right, behind me, in front of me, but he knows the path I take, and he will find me. If I stay on the road marked straight and holy, he will find me. And so this great mountain instructor was instructing all the people. Behind him in the background was this beautiful picture of Mount Everest. And he concluded his speech, he concluded his lesson with this. He turned and looked at that mountain, and he said, You have defeated me once, you defeated me twice, but you'll not defeat me again. Because you can't get any higher, you can't grow any more, but I can. And since he made that speech, he climbed the mountain twice. He did exactly what he said he would do because he realized that his mountain couldn't get any taller. May I tell you today, the things that are against you, the things that are trying to hurt you and harm you, they've got as strong as they can get. They've got as big as they can get. They've got as tall as they can get. They can't get any stronger. 60,000 people last year lost their life because of a drunk driver. 30 million people last year in America were arrested for DUI. There's nothing social about this. This is a monster. It destroys, it murders, it maims, it hurts, it steals parents from children. It steals children from parents. I read a story of a famous athlete graduating from high school, went home and visited his dad's bar and, and got a bottle of scotch and went with his friend. They celebrated. They got in a head-on collision. Everyone died. The father was the captain of the police department. He got very angry, and he said, I will make sure the person that sold my son this alcohol, I'll make sure they'll be arrested, they'll be thrown in jail without bail. I will get even. He spent the night trying to find out where his son got the alcohol, went home late hours of the night, and there on the bar was a note. Thanks, Dad, for the bottle. I'll see you tomorrow. So we understand the dangers that sometimes when we bring into our life, we bring into the life of others. This has done all the damage it can do. This could be a hundred proof. This could be a thousand proof. It can't get any stronger. It's done. It's leveled out. Am I talking to anybody in this building? We have 16 drugstores in our little, our little city. Every day, one of our drugstores fills over 200 opiates. You multiply 16 times 2 per day times 7 per week. We understand now why people are running off the road into a ditch. 
We understand now why people are rear-ending vehicles at a red light. We understand now why there's so much hurt, so much pain, so much grief. We understand now why our hospitals are filled because we have a nation that is medicated. We have a, we have a nation that learns at a very, a very early age that there's something wrong, get some Tylenol get some aspirin, get some Advil. Then we graduate in the coating products of Tylenol and, 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 and the different cough suppressants. And then all of a sudden we realize that if there's anything that we need, we can get a medicine that will, that will help us survive, make us feel better. Can anybody relate? And what has happened, that which the Lord intended for good because the Bible talks about different things you use in your body for healing. The two, two books of the Bible written by a doctor or a surgeon. God certainly is not against doctors. God is certainly not against medication applied correctly. But what has happened, it has got out of its cage. It has become a monster, and it's destroying marriages, lives, people, businesses, jobs, homes, money, ministry. Every day, the enemy is destroying a life. I got a phone call from a pastor friend of mine that got hurt in a, in a sports accident there at the church. They put him on Oxycontin, and through the process of trying to get healed, he got addicted. The Lord opened the door a few months ago for me to go to a church and minister the word, and he was a he was a visitor of that of that particular service. I just had a special prayer, prayed the hedge of thorns. Got a text from that next Sunday morning. He said, "Pastor, thank you for your word. This is the first time in three years I got out of bed and didn't medicate." If this can touch a preacher, it can touch a child, it can touch anybody. It knows no boundaries, it knows no limits. But let me tell you what, it's as strong as it can possibly be. This could be 30 milligrams. This could be 60 milligrams. It can't get any stronger. It has reached its capacity to hurt and destroy. It can't get any stronger. Am I, am I making sense today? I have right here the number one step to drug addiction and the very last thing to quit is this right here. When I was a kid growing up, they called them cancer. They called them coffin nails. The Surgeon General now is not just determined that this can hurt you, but he's determined it will hurt you. And I tell you what is scary about cancer, you don't know you've got it till you got it. There are no warning signs. I mean, if you're cancer is like a sunburn. You're in the sun, you're exposed to the sun. You never intended to get sunburned, but you stayed longer than you should, and you wake up the next day or that evening, you're you're blistered, you're hot, you're miserable. I don't know how many's ever been ever been sunburned. But there's it's, it's it's a it's a it's a great it's a it's a pain in every area of your life. How's that? And whatever you do, don't tan naked because it could get worse. But that's that cancer. It gets in your body. It doesn't leave any tail. Your, your skin doesn't start peeling. You don't, you don't start aching. You don't start knowing it. Most times, you're, you're, the cancer is the third or fourth phase before you even realize you have cancer. And all these things are a trick of the enemy. But can I tell you something? This can't get any stronger. This can't grow anymore. This cannot become any more potent. It has reached its limit. And you know what needs to be done with this stuff? Angel, if you'll help me. You'll say, Pastor, this is, this is a, I'm just a social drinker. Well, Pastor, I only medicate sometimes. Well, Pastor, I only smoke eight packs a day. I mean, I've kind of got it under control, and things are okay. You know what? There's, you know what's so funny about most of this stuff? It smells bad. Did you ever notice that? I, I asked a girl one time, I said, have you ever kissed an ashtray? She said, well, no. I said, well, that's what happens every time I, I, I did a girl that smoked. It was horrible. And I'm sure, that, I'm sure that when I smoked, I dated girls, they hated it. Can anybody relate? But there's nothing about this that smells good. There's nothing about this that in well. And the best thing to do with most of this, thank you, Angel, is simply this. Put it where it came from. Can, can you guys see what I'm doing? Though my, my Facebook friends, I'm pouring this bottle of brandy 
in a trash can. I don't care how much it costs. I don't care who gets upset. I don't care if it makes you mad. These, these pills right here, the best way to solve this problem, if you are over-medicating and you're illegally doing drugs, the best thing to do, are you ready, is this. We serve a God that's a healer that can touch us and restore us and set us free. And if you've got these coffin nails in your body, the best thing to do before you throw them in the trash can, okay, because I've been around people that they walk up to a store, a non-smoking store, and people would throw their cigarette on the ground. I've been with people that went over and picked up somebody else's cigarette and smoked it. So what I would do before I throw them away, I would do this. That way no one can ever smoke them. There is abilities in our life that God has given us to let us know this. Are you ready? I'm going to write this down. You can outgrow your mountain. You can become bigger than your mountain. You can overcome the frustrations in your life. You can eliminate the mountains in your life. There are things that you can do to get from where you're at to where you want to be. I wrote down this this morning three ways to, to deal with your mountain. There are three different ways. Way number one is to climb it. Way number two is to go around it. Or way number three is remove it. Everyone in our life has a mountain to climb. There are times that God will put mountains in your life to promote you. When Joshua got ready to take the people in the promised land, Josh, there was another guy there with him by the name of Caleb. And here's what Caleb said. Forty years ago, I had a purpose and a plan to do what God wanted me to do. <coughs> and people got in the way. He said, but I'm 40 years older. I feel as good today as I felt 40 years ago. Give me my mountain. Because he saw things on the mountain that were pleasant. He saw things on the mountain that would bless him. He saw things on the mountain. The Bible five times encourages us to go to the mountain of God to seek God's face, to seek God's will. I'm not talk, talking about mountains of blessing today. I'm talking about mountains placed in your life to hurt you and wound you. Caleb didn't just go take that mountain because he could. The Bible says there were five giants that occupied that mountain. Caleb wasn't ready to just take one giant. He said, I'll take all the giants out so that I can have my mountain. You know, when you get to the top of the mountain, you get to plant your flag there or your enigma there or your banner there, and that lets people know that your mountain didn't conquer you. You conquered your mountain. I met with a man yesterday concerning a note. I told him the day would come, we would burn that note together. And I said, we, we will celebrate. There are obstacles in your life that are placed there sometimes by the decisions we make, Sometimes they're placed there by God. Sometimes they're just there. Does that make sense? We never intended to have a bad gallbladder. We never intended to lose our hair. We never intended to get hurt in a sports arena. They're just things that happen in life. And as those things happen in life, we know that the word declares, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And to take the back, the back road or, or the back way or the easy way is not necessarily the best way. Sometimes God will put people, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll go on and get a little deeper in this, in, this, in this area of climbing your mountain. You can climb it, you can go around it, or you can remove it. The, 
the, the negative of climbing your mountain, number one, the air is too thin to breathe. You cannot take enough oxygen with you to, to, to make the journey. When you get about 28,000 feet on your mountain, it takes 12 hours to walk one mile. The snow is up to your neck. And under your feet, there are layers and layers of frozen ice that if you slip and fall, you fall thousands of feet to death. There's a certain part of the mountain where they untie one another because if one of them was to fall, all of them would crash and burn. That happened in 1992. One fell, took three with them. All four of them died. Their bodies are still there because you can't get to, the, to where they're at to get their bodies out. Because the air is so th thin to breathe, your, your body shuts down, it freaks out, it goes into shock, and it will die. You can freeze to death. I asked Pastor Jeff last night if he would sing that song, This is the Air That I Breathe. Can I tell you something about the infilling of the Holy Spirit? The infilling of the Holy Spirit gives you the power to overcome everything in your life that would try to take your breath everything in life that would try to hurt you or wound you or frustrate you and the, the ability to have the air you need to finish the task of climbing your mountain you've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost am I talking to anybody in this house I'm not talking about jerking and slinging and, 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 and having machine gun phrases of, 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 of other language I'm talking about knowing that you have been filled, that you have, you have made a place for God in your life, that you've cleaned the things out in your life that you know that are distracting you and hurting you and harming you. It might be the lottery. It might be gambling. It might be soap operas. It might be th things in your marriage, things in raising your children. But there's got to be a, a time in your life that you stop and you clean house. And the Bible says when you clean house and find what you're looking for, there's joy in heaven when you find what you're looking for when you clean house. Can anybody relate? I got so frustrated last night, I could not find my phone. And, and I wanted Pastor Ronna to call my phone so I, I could hear it vibrate. But Pastor Ronna was being mom, and she was busy being mom, and so I couldn't find my phone. Well, I asked her, I said, I said hey, I said, I'm, I'm going to bed, try to find my phone, plug it in. So I get up the next morning. Okay, the phone's not plugged in. The phone's not at its, at its spot. So I went in and I asked Pastor Ron. I said, did you find my phone? She said, no. She said, I, 20 minutes I called it. And I, 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 did, I didn't hear it. I looked for it. She said, do you think you left it in the car? Well, why didn't she say that last night? Why, why didn't she say that last night? She said, well, she, did you think you left it? And I go out in the car. Sure enough, it's right there. It's right there in the seat where, where, you, where I usually find it. Isn't that funny? Lost things usually wind up the place you lost them yesterday. They're usually there today. But I've got backups to backups, and I have now lost the backups to the backup of the backup of my, of my spare key. I, I know none of you ever do that. I know you guys are, are, you never forget. You never. But here's, what, here's what's so cool. When I went out this morning and opened the door and saw the phone, it was like, hey, wow, cool, I found my phone. You see, when you find things that are lost, it brings blessing to your life. The one lady lost her tie. She just she got so cluttered with all the things of life going on, all the commitments she made, all the money she was spending. She came to a place in life, she says, I have got to get back where I need to be. She cleaned her house, and guess what? She found her tie. She, she found what she lost. And the Bible says that heaven rejoiced because she had a turnaround in her life, and she began to see the goodness of God, the blessings of God. Good things happen when you find what you've lost. Am I helping anybody in this place? So to have, that, to have that presence of God, to have that love of God, that power of God, that favor of God, say, well, I don't know how to get the Holy Ghost. Hang around with people that have the Holy Ghost.
begin to question them like a like a newspaper reporter begin to take notes begin to ask them what does it feel like what is it what 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 does it do here's what the bible says be not filled with wine where success but be filled with the spirit we sing a song sometimes entitled there ain't no high like the holy ghost high you've heard his testimony at 13 years of age jackie lost both of his parents to drugs hurt wounded been doing drugs ever since this is the first christmas he's been sober since the age of 13 and when billy burke was here on a sunday go ahead give the lord a hand clap of appreciation um the saturday night the pastor billy was here i saw jackie doing this i go oh my god he has went medicated when i wasn't looking and i go i go jackie what's going he goes man i ain't never felt like this before i say jackie that's the power of god that's what the world's looking for when it puts a needle in its arm that's what the world's looking for when it puts a straw in its nose that's what the world's looking for when it it takes a handful of pills they're looking for what you have found and you won't find it any other place but in the presence and the fullness of what god has for you somebody needs to give the lord a shout of praise in this house the the second factor in climbing this mountain is that the weather literally gets 30 below zero I don't know if you've ever been in weather that 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 cold I had the door open for me to go to and I know that Daryl and Terrell appreciate this the door opened for me to go to Minnesota and I went right on the on the Fargo um, where's Fargo North North Dakota it's so so I went to Fargo and I went to go deer hunting. Now here in, in Tennessee, you climb a tree and you sit and you wait. And if that deer is stupid enough to walk in front of you, then, then, you, then you drop it with a high-powered rifle. But when I got to Minnesota, they told me, well, that's not the way that we hunt here. So we just walk and we kick the deer up and when the deer runs off, then we shoot at it. Well, I have, I have never practiced shooting a deer with a high-powered rifle on a, on a, on a dead run and I've always learned if you couldn't put a kill shot, don't take it because you'll wound the animal. It'll go somewhere and die, and you never find it. So I'm, I'm not that kind of hunter. So I said, do you mind if I get in, this, in this, these woods right here, and when you guys walk through, I promise I won't shoot you, walk through, I'll climb this tree, and I'll just wait for the deer. And I'll, I'll shoot the deer the Tennessee way. They said, yeah, good, go for it. And so I did, J.E. I got out there, got my stand, got about 30 foot high, got angled, got ready. And, and the first thing I realized is, man, I am cold. I am cold. I am cold. I am cold. And so I usually sit in a tree stand about 10 o'clock. About 9 o'clock, I decide, you know what? It, this is all. This is all. I, the only deer I saw, and it was a monster buck, is running about 80 miles an hour. And my hands were so cold, I didn't want to take them out of my pocket. It was frost on my scope. That's how cold it was. And I said, well, this, I ain't going to kill a deer today. So I, I, I went to climb down. But what had happened, this climber was a kind of bit into the tree and when it bit into the tree it touched the sap and the sap had frozen the stand was frozen to the tree it's nine o'clock in the morning it's 17 below and i am freezing i think i'm gonna die i start praying i start begging god i i, I said well maybe i can get out of the stand and slide down the tree that's not a good idea when you're frozen you fall 30 40 foot so about 10 30 11 o'clock it warmed to about 12 below and I got the stand loose. I managed to get the stand loose. I got down. I started walking back towards the camp, and they've got this big trash can, fires raging in it. And I, I said, the only thing I can think of, but just get me to the fire. Get me to the fire. I'm walking the fire, and the guys from Minnesota said, man, you guys from Tennessee, you're tough. We can't stand the element. You're, you're pretty. Oh, yeah, it's nothing. I'm thinking, oh, just get me to the fire. Just get me to the fire. 
I got, I got to the fire, and I made a vow to God. I made a vow to God. I said, God, and I actually got frostbit. I'm still frostbit today from that. I actually told God, I said, God, if you get me out of this state safe, I promise you I'll never come again in the winter. Pastor Joe Brock, I've been his, his elder for 22 years. I have not been back to Minnesota in the winter. God kept his part. I kept my part. But there's something about when you are so cold that you're hurting, you're so, you're, you're so cold that what you learn, to, you learn to layer up. And when you climb Mount Everest, you have five layers of clothing. You have two layers of polypropylene underwear. That traps the perspiration. Your perspiration actually becomes like liquid warm, and it keeps your body warm. And then you go goose down, which has thousands of pockets to retain heat, so that the heat coming off your long johns, it fills this, 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 uh, this goose down with warmth. And then you have a layer of wool because wool retains the heat. Then you have a layer of nylon because you're constantly against ice and water and you don't want to get wet. You don't want, you don't want that water to go all the way through. So five layers is required to climb the mountain successfully. And I got thinking about the fact that God gave us five gifts so we could do what we're supposed to do successfully. He gave you an apostle. He gave you a prophet. He gave you a pastor. He gave you a teacher. He gave you an evangelist. He gave you all these gifts so that you could layer up and be what God wants you to be and do, and do what God wants you to do. And you know what the good news is? That song says, leave it there, leave it there. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave it there. Can you finish, finish it, Linda? If you trust and never doubt, he will surely bring you out. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Listen, I don't care what you walked in this building with today. I don't care if you're gay. I don't care if you're dying of AIDS. I don't care if you're overdosed on drugs. I promise you, you can bring everything you've got and leave it at the altar of God. And God will deal with that. And God will restore you. And God will heal you. And you will get rid of the spirit of heaviness. And then guess what happens? He clothes you with the garment of praise. When the prodigal son came home, the dad gave him the best robe, the best ring, the best shoes, the best feast, the best celebration. He wants you to come home. The Bible says that when one sinner repents, all of heaven rejoices. Everybody, all the angels begin to sing in unity and harmony because the devil has lost a soul. A child has come back to God, and heaven rejoices. So know that you don't have to have the verbiage of the world anymore. You ever tell everybody what a loser you are, what kind of generational curse you're under, or how many times you've, 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 you've dropped out of a program, and how many times you've, you, you've failed. When you come to Christ, old things are passed away, all things have become new. You go into a process of a, of a metamorphosis where that old ugly cocoon begins to crush all the things in your life that hurt you and harm you, and all of a sudden that miracle working power of God begins to restore, begins to heal, begins to attach you to your destiny, your purpose, and that cocoon explodes, and you come out a beautiful butterfly with the ability to fly to be what God has called you to be and enjoy what God has called you to enjoy. Oh, someone praise the Lord with this house. This third, this third weapon that's against you climbing Mount Everest, I don't know if you've ever been in a 30-mile-an-hour wind, but winds in Everest can get to be 100 miles an hour. It does not matter how you're nailed to the rock. It doesn't matter how your rope is attached. Those winds will blow you off as a speck of sawdust in a, in a hurricane. There's no way to stay attached to the mountain unless you really, really know what you're doing. And I want to tell you something. There have been many of God's champions 
on the, on the, on the battlefield and have been defeated by the enemy because they put more hope and trust in themselves than they did in the things of God. When you realize the battle is not yours, it is the Lord's. We know the Lord has already determined the outcome of the battle. When you know the promises that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, it doesn't matter what storms of life come against you, it doesn't matter what challenges come against you, the Bible says that God will raise up a standard against the enemy and what the enemy intends for evil, God will inadvertently turn it around for your good. And when you look back and see the plan of the enemy to take you out, it actually pushed you to the promotion that God has for you. Sometimes you have to hit an I had to hit rock. I was I'm sure that it was important I'm sure it was powerful I'm sure that you were blessed by it already realize and determine that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world and something you've got to got to got to remember no matter how how powerful you become in your walk with God always 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 remember this Jesus said and look at somebody and say it, that's pretty important that's very important. If they hated me, they will abhor you. They will detest you. They will, they will badmouth you. They will lie about you. They will accuse you. They will try their best to take you out. So know that no matter how high you climb in the things of God, it's not good.
I can't walk very far. Okay. Go ahead, give the Lord a hand clap appreciation. Our Facebook friends, we were suffering some mechanical difficulty. And now that we have shot and killed all the sound men, the problem has seemed to have solved itself. So we will conclude this thought right now. Second thing that you can do is go around it. But you know, unfortunately, if you try to circle your problem, you usually encounter dead ends, distractions, and detours. So let's not say a whole lot about that. Let's talk about, let's talk about the third way to, to deal with your mountain, and that is to level it. Now, I did not give her a warning, but Pastor Ron is going to come, and she's going to take about five minutes, and she's going to give you the highlights of how to shout grace to your mountain. And while she's collecting her thoughts and getting ready to come and do that, I want you to know that, that when you defeat the enemy, you develop something God writes. He's the author, the finisher. He's the author, A-U-T-H-O-R, and he's writing a book about you. And when you defeat the enemy, it gives you a testimony, not only to give the devil a black eye, but to give other people courage. I want Josh Foster to come and take about three minutes and tell us what God has done for him in the past six months, and I want him to talk English. Come on, Josh, you first, then Pastor Rhonda. I'll be his translator. My cousins are the swamp people. I was there when they produced the movie. Um, as Pastor said, I'm Josh. I've been here about six months. Uh, pretty well lost my family to, to drugs and alcohol, mainly drugs. <laughs> Bad. Um, let's see what else. I got ran over by a horse, dislocated my L2, 3, 4, left hip, sacrum, right shoulder. I put on Roxy coat on. Got to the point with my family that uh, my fiance just wasn't going to live in it anymore. Um, told me when I could get my act together and let her know. Left. Felt like I'd lost my family forever. Um, went into a downward spiral. Got a left scar on my eye right here from. I just wanted to die. Man, I'd reached that point in my life, and I realize now that you can take pride in a lot of things. You can take pride in your hurt and in your pain. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that I used to be ashamed of that I held. You know, I've, I've lifted up in my heart. Um, my father's been gone since I was about nine months old. I had a stepdaddy that would beat you like a slave and work you like a dog. Um, was molested at about seven years old. Um, come up kicking and screaming, fighting, rough as they come. Uh, in about four years, I lost my grandfather, my grandmother, my other grandmother, my first cousin, shot, murdered in the back, drug deal gone bad. Best friend dropped an eight ball in the floor of his Jeep, run off the edge of the road trying to pick it up, snatched back, flipped it, threw him out, killed him. My little brother was born responsible, 23 years old, best friend I had. Bought a motorcycle to save on gas. 75-year-old lady turned out into him, killed him. Through all this, I lost my mother. Um, as I mean, she's still physically here, but that relationship was gone. Then I went to using help. I never touched drugs till I was 26, maybe 27 years old, and fixed to be 32. And uh, when I got there, I wanted to die. And I took a lot of pride in my pain, and a lot of people don't realize that. Don't talk to me. You hadn't been through what I've been through. You ain't been this. You ain't been that. And I look around. Jackie's lost both of his parents. There's always somebody in worse shape than what you've been. And it's not pride. 
you've got to get self out of the way. You've got to seek God wholeheartedly. Lift your brother up. Has this program been perfect? Sure hasn't. But I will say this for Pastor Hank. Matt Decker, Pastor Todd, Josh Herring, Pastor David, Pastor Connie. There's been a lot of real good people that's poured into my life here. I came here with the clothes on my back in a suitcase. Nobody wanted to speak to me, anything. Manipulated the situation, went home three days after I got here. And everybody was so against me, I stayed at a buddy's house and snorted coke for two days. Went to jail, faced some serious charges. Um, assault on police officer, obstruction, looting and evading. And um, never really been in any trouble before. Had done plenty of stuff, but had never got caught. The Lord's favor went before me in that and healed that. He's brought mine and my mother's relationship back into play. I'm finally the father that I'm supposed to be to my little girl. Mine and my fiance's relationship has been fully restored. She's asking me, wanting to get married. Called me last night. I, this is what I want to do. What do you think? And God is just, I mean, he's really poured out blessings on me. And I just, you know, what I see in me more than anything is the pride that I took in my pain. And um, something a guy told me a long time ago is family. Forget about me. I love you. And that's what this is. This is a body. This is a family. Get yourself out of the way. Get poor, pitiful me out of the way. Step in the paint. You know, let God reign in your life. Love your brother. Help your brother. If he's doing better than you, praise God for him. Be right there with him to encourage him. If he's doing worse than you, pull him up. We judge each other. There's one thing that I've seen in my addiction is I judge people that were doing what they were supposed to do just as much as they judged me for not doing what I was supposed to Get that out of the way. You know, it's the greatest commandment is to love. Love one another. Invest in somebody's life. Pour out into them. And I've got you a slogan for Eagles Anonymous, which I'm supposedly through now. Absolutely. Thank you. Praise God for that. But... um. I told Pastor David last night, I said, I've got Pastor Hank a slogan. Sometimes you got to pick crap with the chickens before you can soar with the eagles. But I thank God for this place and everybody here. I love y'all. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. So we can let our pain motivate us to medicate, or we could do the, what the song says, take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. The third way to deal with your mountain is to remove it. 28 years ago in Ketchikan, Alaska, headed to a boat to go fishing, I saw a work crew doing exactly that. They were demolishing a mountain to build a road. And the reason they were demolishing the mountain, because there was an eagle's nest in a tree that could not be hurt or harmed. Let me tell you something. You are so important to God. God will remove mountains in your life to keep you from being hurt or harm. Pastor Rondo. Wow. Well, I think this is, uh, Pastor always amazed me, his ability to hear from the Lord. Of course, I asked a minstrel to come and play while I get ready to close this out because it's so powerful. First of all, Pastor amazed me that he could keep things going up here with all that going on. You got to give him a hand. Only, only a seasoned person. <laughs> I'd have just sat down, but that's why he's the general and I am merely a lieutenant, but thanks be to God. 
This morning, Pastor Hank has talked to us about mountains, and I want to tell you in this five minutes he's given me, powerful passage of Scripture. And I think it's so apropos to where we are today um, as people and even as a church. Uh, we've been speaking to you about the process of rebuilding, or at least since November. And there were God's people were in a process of rebuilding. Now listen to this because it's so powerful. In Israel, they were trying to rebuild the wall. A lot had happened, as mostly happens in life when God tries to rebuild us. And for 16 years, everyone say 16 years. 16 years the work had gone unfinished. Think about things in your life this morning that are just unfinished. Things that have just set, untouched, undone. Things the Lord may have given you or, or prayers or prophecies, but they're just still sitting unfinished. And there was a man by the name of Zerubbabel who was the governor. And he was the guy that was over the work. He was like the contractor, the businessman, the layperson of God. As God uses all of our gifts. And here he is. And for 16 years, he had just like driving on the way to work, seeing for 16 years every day that which is unfinished. And how often in our life do we go through our day and go through what we're doing and all we can see that is unfinished, that anger that is yet, that mountain that is not moved that struggle that whatever it is in our life it's still not moved for 16 years he had to travel to work seeing that unfinished business but God sent a man by the name of Zachariah everyone say Zachariah and his name meant Yahweh remembers he was sent in to this time even his name was a child if you don't know that I want to get off that because I've been studying about that so much even his name said something when he walked into the room Yahweh remembers. And Zechariah goes in as a prophet. 